scripture comes from uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Uh, we are going to be doing, um, it's, uh, that's in the NIV, by the way, and uh, we're going to do an alternate reading, uh, but we encourage you to find uh, the scripture on your own. It won't be projected behind me. Uh, so you will have to find that on your own. Uh, it, the Pew Bibles are NIVs, or you can look that up uh, in uh, a Bible app, or if you have your own Bible. Again, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. I'll read the first verse, and everyone will respond with the verse after that. We'll keep going back and forth until the end. So please stand as able. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, today's message uh, is a continuation in our sermon series, Metanoia, which is about everything changing. Right? Metanoia is that uh, Greek word for repentance, that idea of changing your heart and your mind. And what we have been hoping is that we can actually change. I think that is one of the great Christian hopes that maybe we have lost in this modern age. And maybe one of the ways that, uh, maybe not always we desire this in ourselves as much as we desire it in other people, but we probably, for a lot of us, desire more honesty. Have you ever been talking to someone and you're like, you know what, just cut the crap. Can you just tell me what you want? Can you tell me what you mean? Right? Um, and maybe there's some of us, uh, I, I just noticed, I, I didn't mean to, but I know some people kind of looking at someone else. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it, uh, as it says in scripture, uh, you know, let's not take, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the specks out of other people's eyes, but the, <laughs> look at the logs in our own. Uh, we don't want to start with ourselves, but I do think that it is something that is easier to notice in someone else. It becomes more annoying in other people. Um, and so there's all kinds of memes and all kinds of things you can find on the internet about the difference between what people say and what people mean. And some of them are just a little bit inappropriate and I can't share them in church, but this one wasn't too bad. So I wanted to share this with you. Um, this is uh, the difference between what people say versus what they mean. And I think you'll notice as you read this list that it doesn't say it here, but I think it was written by a British person. Um, because as I read it, I just hear it in a British accent. What people say, maybe. What they really mean, no way. What people say, let's do lunch soon. What they really mean, we must never eat a meal together. What people say, <laughs> and so this is part of the reason why I think it's a British person. I met Daniel Craig once. You know who Daniel Craig is? He's the new James Bond, so he's British, so yeah. <laughs> I met Daniel Craig once. What they really mean, I saw Daniel Craig getting out of a car once, shouted Daniel at him and started crying. It's very specific. <laughs> what people say, you've had a haircut. What they really mean, don't worry, it'll look better soon. What people say, I'm fine. What they really mean, and this is kind of hard to read, so I'll read it for you. 
Can't you tell how upset I am just by looking at my sad, dejected face? Don't you care enough about me to keep asking me what's wrong until I crack? What people say, I don't mind. What they really mean, I do mind, and you should know that I mind. What people say, I'm running a little bit late, but I'm setting off now. Again, that's a very British thing. So I'll be there soon. Really sorry. What they really mean, I just got out of the shower. I'll be there in an hour. I'm really not sorry at all. <laughs> that that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that hits close to home for some of you. I, I know I've done that before. There was this one youth group kid uh, when I was uh, serving in the D.C. area that whenever he was running late, I would call him. And he would always be like, oh, Pastor Steve, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And I found out that almost always when he would say that, he was still in his house. And he was like getting dressed and, you know, it would take him another 20 minutes. <laughs> so brothers and sisters, as you can see, it can be really annoying when people don't say what they mean. Wouldn't it be nice if what people said is actually what they meant and vice versa? You know, if we could just be more honest with each other. In many ways, that's what today's scripture is about. Uh, it's going to talk about um, let your yes be yes, right? Not yes be maybe, not yes be no, but your yes be yes, and let your no be no. It makes me think of uh, uh, this movie, Jerry Maguire. Has anyone seen that movie, Jerry Maguire? Um, there's this thing that happens. It's about the sports agent. And uh, he makes a deal with uh, this guy who is going to be uh, the future number one pick in the NFL draft. And he has to deal with the man's father. And the man's father says, I don't do contracts. I don't sign contracts. I don't believe in them. But you can take me at my word. I am a man of my word. And so he gives him this firm handshake, and he says, my word is stronger than oak. And of course, very predictably, what ends up happening is he ends up signing a contract with another uh, agent and totally stabs him in the back. And there's this scene where uh, Jerry Maguire just looks him in the eye, and he's like, hey, man, um, I'm still like misty-eyed from that whole my word is stronger than oak thing. You know, tell me you didn't sign a contract with someone else. And of course he did. And the lesson for all of us, and maybe this is the lesson that many of us learn in life, is you can't take people at their word. People cannot be trusted. you got to get it in writing, right? And in many ways, what people hear oftentimes is don't be a sucker, right? You can't trust people nowadays. It's a sad world we live in. When you get a phone call from someone and they say, Congratulations, you have won an all-expenses-paid vacation to Disney World, and it's not true, right? Or someone calls you and says, this is the IRS. You owe $10,000 in back taxes, but if you just send us a check for $5,000, we'll call it even. And it's not true. It's a sad world we live in, but we all have learned to live in this world. And yet, there is this thing that we prize very much, Integrity. And integrity is something that I think we all kind of, you know, we, we grasp this on some level. That this is something very, very desirable for us. We don't want to be hypocrites as we've been talking about. Right? This is one of the things that Jesus has been contrasting. Uh, he says that our righteousness must go beyond the scribe and the Pharisee. Sometimes in the Christian world, the way that Christianity gets represented 
is your righteousness is less than the scribe and the Pharisee. Because you know what? They're needlessly uh, legalistic. But what Jesus is talking about here is not legalism. He's talking about being and having integrity. Being a person of integrity. That who you are on the outside is who you are on the inside. What you say with your words is what you mean in your heart. And this is the heart of what we are trying to come to. And so in many ways, that verse, that command, I mean, it's something that is not meant to be a legalistic command as much as getting to the heart of integrity. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. So let's take the the whole scripture in context, because I think it's one of the scriptures that I think many of us write off. Because it doesn't really make sense in this world. Um, I'll explain this in a moment, but in the, the, the world of Jesus, vows were a very common thing. And in our world, people still do make vows and oaths, uh, but not in the same way that they did back then. And so some of this will sound very archaic, and it doesn't seem like it, it means much to us. But brothers and sisters, um, for me, the more that I've investigated this scripture, the more that idea of what it means to be a person of integrity has come to life for me. And so I want to uh, uh, hopefully help you to have a similar experience as we look at the scripture. So I encourage you to uh, read it with uh, new eyes and to listen to it with new ears. So let's dive in. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So as we have been going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, we have this this format. Uh, again, or, or you have heard that it was said. Right, Moses said, it says in the Hebrew scripture these things, but I give you a different sort of teaching. And one of the ways that, that we, we must understand this is not that this is a new law that Jesus is trying to give us, that's somehow a harder law. But what Jesus is aiming for is the heart. He is aiming for the heart, not just legalistic behavior. And so a lot of the things that he is talking about are not meant to be taken as legalistic laws, but as a challenge to the traditional sort of piety that was only based on performing a certain kind of action, right? And so the past couple of weeks, we talked about anger, uh, and specifically, it was about murder. You have heard it said that you shouldn't murder someone. But I say to you that whoever holds anger towards their brother or sister, that they can be liable to judgment. That if you uh, have contempt for someone, you, you clear your throat and you make some kind of noise that, that signals contempt, that then you should be brought in front of a council, really. If you tell someone that they're a fool, you call them an idiot or a moron, then you're liable to the fires of hell. And then last week we talked about the whole thing with adultery. You have heard it said that if you commit this actual physical act with a human being who is not your husband or wife, then you are in error. But I say to you, if you lust after someone, if you perform those acts in your mind, if you treat someone like they are an object for your sexual gratification, then it is like committing adultery. Again, brothers and sisters, it is about the heart. This is what Jesus is going after. So, 
there are all kinds of ways that people take this. Uh, This thing where he says, you've heard it said, you shall not um, swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. And uh, there are some Christians who have gotten very legalistic about it. Very ironically, by the way, we actually have one way in this society where we make people swear an oath. They actually call it the oath. Do we have any lawyers here? Okay, you've probably seen a TV show or a movie where a witness comes to the stand. And what do they have to do? Right? They have to put their hand on a Bible, right? They have to put their hand up and they swear an oath. This is also what they do when people are sworn into office. They swear an oath to do a certain thing. And so this is that traditional oath. Um, where someone asks this question, do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God under pains and penalties of perjury. And they say, amen. I mean, they don't say amen, but you know, it's so ironic because we have this verse that, verse that very clearly says, do not take an oath at all, then people put their hands on Bibles, right? Brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you. I know sometimes people take this verse very literally. They're like, oh, I can never swear an oath. I can never sign a contract. You know, it's not meant to be that. There is a heart. There is a reason, just like all those other verses. In this whole long line of series of teachings that Jesus is trying to teach you the kingdom heart. He's not trying to turn you into legalist. Because if being a legalist worked, if just following commands worked, then the Pharisees would be okay, right? They would be the models that he holds up. But he's like, that doesn't work. We must address the heart. So there's an issue here that is deeper than just swearing an oath. And so uh, let's try to take a look at what that is. And so here we see in the hint, he says, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no, anything more than this comes from evil. There are many ways where we cannot let our yes be yes, let our no be no. There was this time this past week where I wish that was true, when I was trying to cancel a a cable channel. Um, Just a few months ago, uh, there was like this promotion for HBO's, like super cheap. And so we signed up six months, put on my calendar. I have to, you know, cancel this before November 30th. So I called them up and I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. I knew that... This was not going to happen. The let your yes be yes, let your no be no, right? They were going to try to promise me all kinds of things. So I was ready. I was geared up. And you know, I've been trying to practice being a little kinder. Like, like I went through this phase where I'd be like really mean to like the customer service people. Just like shut them down. Be like, no, I don't want it. No, no. And just hang up, you know. And I'm like, okay, that's not very Christ-like. You know, so I listen to them. I try to be very polite because I try to remember this person in whatever country where I can barely understand their English, but it's a person, it's a human being, right? It really is a human being. So, you know, I was trying to be nice. And so they're like, oh, okay, so you want to cancel HBO? Um, Like, can I ask why? And I was like, well, you know, the promotion is ending. And they're like, well, 
what if I were to tell you that we, your promotion got extended by six months? And I was like, no, no, Steve, be strong. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. So I was like, no, 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 thank you. We're going to cancel HBO today. And so she's like, oh, okay, well, is there anything that we could do to change your mind? Nope, no, I'm good. Well, friend, I'm like, friend, (laughs) you have been such a loyal customer to DirecTV. You know, I see here that, you know, we would just, you know, we want to do something to show our gratitude. I'm like, "What, what, what are you trying to sell me? And she said, what if I were to offer you HBO free for life? <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> what do you think she's about to say? If, if you sign up for the AT&T mobile service, I'm like, no, no, yes be yes, no be no, no, right? What is that, brothers and sisters? What are these many words that we use? We use these words to try to convince people. This is what happened in the ancient world. People swore by oaths because it's almost like their word wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? You'd be like, hey, I'll be there for you. And some of us, we do this. We say, I swear to God, I'll be there, right? Why do we do that? It's like your word isn't good enough. Just to say, hey, you can rely upon me. But we have to appeal to some kind of other power, right? Some kind of other authority. I swear to God, right? And, you know, some Catholics, they do this kind of thing. Or, you know, I I cross my heart and hope to die, whatever the case may be, right? I swear, I swear you can trust me. And it's a way to manipulate people in many ways, right? We use our words in ways to get people to do things, that we don't think they will normally do if we just ask, right? There are many times in the church this happens. You know, people use God in all kinds of ways to get people to do things. Oh, can you help teach Sunday school? You know, think of the children. God loves the children. Do you love God? Do you love the children? Oh, how could I not? How could I not, right? We do these things, and brothers and sisters... There's a word we use, right? It's not a very nice word. Manipulation. Ever hear that word? This one time I was talking to my wife and, um, you know, she seemed to be like in a pretty good mood. I was like, hey, what happened today? She's like, oh, well, you know, at the hospital today, um, I got manipulated. I was like, excuse me? You got manipulated? Who manipulated you? Tell me who manipulated you. I'll, I'll go track them down. And so what it is, <laughs> there's some people in the medical field who are laughing about this. Uh, so it's like chiropractors. They, they call it manipulation when they like crack your back, right? When they do these things, right? And so the word manipulation, it means to, to change things, to shape things with your hands, Right? And so when we talk about manipulation, we usually mean verbal manipulation or emotional manipulation. Right? It's not literally your hands that are taking a, a spine and cracking it or doing all those weird things, right? Uh, to put it in the right position or whatever the case may be. But we are trying to position people to do what we want. And there are many of us that this is part of the reason why we hate this whole dishonesty thing. Hey, you know what? Just tell me what you want. Just come out and say it, right? 
Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no because I hate being manipulated. I don't think there's a single person that would be as cheerful as my wife if we're talking about emotional or verbal manipulation. I was like, hey, I got manipulated today. It felt great. Right? We don't like that. Why? Because in any, many ways, that breaks the kind of fellowship that I think we all desire. We desire for people to love and respect us and for people to treat us as they would want to be treated. Right? This is the whole aim of the law. This is what Jesus is saying. That there are many things that we are doing legalistically, but we are breaking the spirit of the law. And the law is to love your neighbor, to love the one next to you as if they were you. So if you're manipulating people, if you're trying to get them to do something with your words, you're breaking that. You're breaking that fundamental fellowship that is supposed to exist between you and them. The people we usually don't manipulate as much, hopefully, hopefully, in a perfect world, right, are the people you really love and care about, right? Yeah, you know, can you imagine that there's some, like, you know, I don't know, these scam artists who call people up and they promise them a vacation to, to Hawaii, you know, that they tell them, congratulations, you know, you've won the lottery or whatever the case may be. And they're really just trying to scam them. Can you imagine them calling their mothers and doing that? Can you imagine them doing that with their wives or their husbands or their best friends? Of course not, right? They do it with these strangers, with these people that they do not care about. And we all sense that, don't we? And there's this huge trust that is broken when you feel like someone is trying to manipulate you. Like, hey, man, just tell me what you want. You know, you don't got to be like that, right? We can just be honest on that level. And brothers and sisters, there are all kinds of ways that we invoke God in this, you know? So (laughs) there's this example that people don't do this as much anymore, but for some reason, When I was in college, I would hear all kinds of crazy stories where somebody, and it usually would be a guy, they would go up to a girl and they would be like, hey, so I was praying. And God told me, God told me that you're the one. (laughs) You're the one. Brothers and sisters, how do you think that makes the, 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 the person feel, the girl feel? Do you think they're like, oh, I'm so honored, right? They're like, well, God didn't tell me, right? And so this is the horrible thing about it. This is why it's manipulation. Because what if the girl doesn't feel that you're the one, that what you have just said to her is for you not to marry me, would be to disobey God. You're trying to use God. You're trying to use faith to get what you want, right? There are some times where we use it to get out of things. I, I used to talk to people uh, sometimes where they would be talking about, uh, <laughs> there's this one person I know who's, who's a very good friend, and I actually pointed this out to them. You know, um, I tried to do it in a very loving and gentle way, but they're talking about, because they were in youth ministry. They were, they were a youth pastor at the time. And they're like, you know what, Pastor Steve? Um, I just, as I've been working with youth these many years, um, I really feel like I am not called to work with youth. And, and I just kind of started laughing because I, I knew the person a little bit. I knew their experiences. I was like, is it that you're not called to youth or you don't like working with youth? Right? 
I mean, is it really that God was like, hmm, that you think not for you? I wonder if we use these words, these Christian words, to, to get what we want or to justify the things we want. You know, we say, oh, I don't feel called to that. Can we just say, I don't want to do it? Maybe God didn't call you to that. But are you really sure? Or are you just using it so it sounds more spiritual? Because, I mean, if, if you're like, I, I don't want to work with these kids, you know? Some people are like, oh, man, you're a monster, right? Who wouldn't want to work with these kids, right? But if you're like, God has called me elsewhere, then what are people going to say, right? But brothers and sisters, can we just say what we mean? Can we just be honest? So there's another way in which... Um, I was reading William Barclay's commentary on this passage, and he was talking about that there was a form of swearing that was very common. Um, it was this kind of non-binding, or people would call it evasive swearing. So th- this is kind of, it kind of seems like a game, and it kind of seems hard to believe that people would do this, but what they would do is if you swore uh, like an oath to someone, but you didn't invoke God, then for a lot of uh, the Jewish people, it was not binding, right? It's almost like, you know, where people are like, I swear, I promise, and they cross their fingers, crossies, ah, didn't they, ah. you know? That's kind of like what it was like. They're like, I swear, I will help you. Do you want to say more? No, 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 that's it, right? And if you don't say, I swear to God, right? I swear to the, by the temple, then it wasn't binding, Right? And so there is this idea that, that uh, uh, I, I want to read what William Barclay said behind this. Um, so the, the idea behind this was that if God's name was used, God became a partner in the transaction. Whereas if God's name was not used, God had nothing to do with the transaction. The principle which Jesus lays down is quite clear. In effect, Jesus is saying that so far from having to make God a partner in any transaction, no man can keep God out of any transaction. God is already there. The heaven is the throne of God. The earth is the footstool of God. Jerusalem is the city of God. A man's head does not belong to him. He cannot even make a hair white or black. His life is God's. There is nothing in the world which does not belong to God. And therefore, whether God is actually named in so many words or not does not matter. God is there already. Here is a great eternal truth. Life cannot be divided into compartments in which, in, in some of which God is involved, in others of which he is not involved. There cannot be one kind of language in the church and another kind of language in the shipyard or the factory or the office. There cannot be one kind of standard of conduct in the church and another kind of standard in the business world. The fact is that God does not need to be invited into certain departments of life and kept out of others. He is everywhere, all through life and every activity of life. So brothers and sisters, we talked about integrity. And so integrity uh, is a word that means everything is held together. Have you ever heard of, you know, maybe some of you engineers, you know, you use this word for structures. We talk about structural integrity. That means that that thing is not going to break apart. 
When somebody doesn't have integrity, it means that there are some pieces of you that are doing one thing, and then there's other pieces of you that are contradicting that. Right? Hypocrites are come from the Greek word for actor. You are acting a certain way, but you're not actually like that. You're saying something, but you don't really mean it. Right? And what happens for many of us is we act in such a way where there are certain spheres of life where God is certainly a part of. You know, when we're at church and we're talking about God, we all know what that means. And, and that the, the, the people that Jesus was talking to, they had a way of talking where they're like, okay, this is the part where we're going to bring in God. This is the area of life that we're going to bring into God. But this other area, mm, not so much. And they were okay with that. And Jesus is saying, no, you will not disintegrate. You will not take one part and give it to Caesar and one part and give it to God. You will not make one promise to the Roman authorities and one promise to your Jewish brothers and sisters. You will not in, in one way live out, live your life in a certain way out there to get ahead, but you know, in certain ways to God be really pious. No, you must be fully integrated. And for your yes to be yes and your no to be no means you are who you say you are. This is a huge problem in the church, isn't it? There are so many people who are looking at us, looking at so-called Christians and saying, the heck are you? You say one thing, but you act completely differently. You use all this Jesus language, but you're actually kind of mean. You're actually kind of bigoted. How can that be? And for Jesus, his disciples, his apprentices were learning to be like him. And Jesus was not like that. Jesus was loving, maddeningly so. Jesus was true to his word. So much so, I mean, it got him in trouble. He would just be honest with people. You know, there's these times where, you know, like all these people are gathering and following him, and then Jesus would teach them something very difficult. And then they would all leave. And I bet the disciples are like, Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Like, why did you have to teach them that? He's like, because it's the truth. It's because what they needed to hear. Maybe not what they wanted to hear. That's my interpretation, by the way. But that did happen, right? Jesus would drive people away with the truth. You know? And so for many of us, we have become so used to being disintegrated people. We are not a people who are true to our word. And God wants to fix that. God wants to bring this together. There are some of you who have been hearing this message and, you know, maybe a little too vigorously you are agreeing with me. (laughs) You're like, yeah, people need to say what they mean. Yeah. You know, and we have this way of talking about this um, that we call brutal truth. Or brutal honesty. Have you ever heard this? Um, And brothers and sisters, uh, there are many different ways that we can uh, apply what Jesus is saying here. But rest assured that what Jesus is talking about is becoming like Jesus, right? It's becoming a, a more right person. Righteous is the word we normally use. 
but that's become so loaded. We want to be right, to have kingdom rightness, as if God were truly reigning in your life. And so I think there are some people who maybe need to hear from this message that we need to speak more truthfully. Right, that 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 we we you know really want people to like us, and you know uh, maybe we're afraid to just come out and, and ask people what we want, and so we have these very circuitous ways of saying things. You know, I, I realized I'm one of these people. Um, there are times where um, you know uh, people would ask me for something by email, and I don't want to let them down, so I, I'll like say like, "Oh, hey, thank you so much for asking me." You know, I'm really honored and. You know, I would love to help you out. And I write all this stuff, and ultimately it's a no, right? But I'm like reading back my email, and until the end, I'm like, this sounds like a yes, you know? This would be really confusing. And I've learned to just start off and saying, I'm really sorry I can't do it. And then maybe it gives some reasons why, you know? But to just lead with the truth, just to say, I'm, I'm, it's a no. It's a no. You know, it's not something that is good for me. And I need to hear this first part. There's some of us that need to hear the second part. Uh, for others, um, it's not as much about the truth, but what you are doing with the truth, right? I, I, some of you may not like how I wrote this. For others, we need to speak less forcefully. This is very un-American. Uh, the American way is to speak up. Hey, I can't hear you. Speak up. Say what you mean, right? Use your words and get what you want. That's very American. Yeehaw! Almost, you know, I get almost, you know. Yeah. Get what you want, right? Get them, get them, right? But this is the thing. Are we using our words as kind of a sledgehammer? You know, that's why I use the word forcefully. Are we using our words to force people to do things? You know, or are we using it as an excuse? So uh, the, the, the first saying over here says, say what you mean. Uh, mean what you say and let your words and actions match. This is about integrity, right? But the second one is those who boast about being brutally honest are usually more brutal than honest. And this is the thing. Yes, Jesus was a truthful person. But I don't think anyone would call Jesus a brutal person. And I think that there's some of us who probably need to hear that. They're like, hey, you know, I'm sorry. If you don't like the truth, Tough. You deal with it. It's not my problem that you can't deal with the truth. But are we using it as, that as an excuse to just be mean? Are we using that as an excuse to just unload on people? Right? Are we using that as an excuse to not have to apologize or not have to reflect on our words and what we mean? Right? I also want to say just a quick word about integrity in terms of how we examine our own heart and our motives. And I think sometimes the whole God language thing, you know, there are many ways that messages like this make people very, very uncomfortable because it points to the things that, you know, we already kind of know aren't the best thing about ourselves. We've worked very hard to deceive ourselves and to smooth those things over, to not have to examine them, to not have to actually change. This this is one of my my theses about uh, the American church, uh, about modern Christianity, and it is relatively modern. 
this whole gospel focus where we're all about, hey, you know what? Don't think about yourself. It's only about what God has done. Only about what God has done, right? Only think about God. God, 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 Jesus, cross, Jesus, cross. Don't think about yourself, right? And brothers and sisters, ultimately, yes, it is about Jesus, right? But this is the thing. Most of us, we have jobs. We have lives. We have families. We've got habits. We have things that happen to us. And you can say that. You can say, just think about Jesus. Just make everything about Jesus. Don't think about yourself. And I know probably there's some people who have been a very, a little uncomfortable with my messages, even though all I'm doing is I'm going through Matthew. This is what Jesus said, right? I, I didn't just suddenly write a new gospel, right? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And Jesus is very interested in your life in the gospel, right? But somehow we have made it so that you could almost, you know, be a Christian and not think about your life. How could that be? How could that be? And I wonder for some of us when we are using all our God language, you know what? I'm not going to think about myself. I'm not going to worry about me. It's just, just Jesus, just Jesus. I wonder, I'm just wondering out loud. And if this doesn't apply to you, that's okay. If this offends you, just, just think it through. I wonder if we use that as an excuse to not really change our behavior or to not let God in. Ultimately, yes, it will be God that changes you. But this is the thing. When we talk about what God desires to be a disciple, he means you. I don't see any evidence in the Bible that Jesus has no interest in actually changing your life. I see all kinds of things where Jesus is like, hey, you want to build your house on solid rock? Then do what I say. Right? I'd see nothing in that that says, oh, just think about me and the good things I've done, and you can ignore your behavior. I don't see that. Right? So, brothers and sisters, this is all for us to come clean. And by the way, maybe one of the applications, if I said something that offends you in this, maybe you can let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and tell me that. (laughs) And we can have a very civil, not brutal, but a very pleasant conversation, right? And we can learn in that way. How many times have we learned in the church not to say things truthfully? So what do we do? We just leave out the back door. We hold resentments. We tell other people that we don't like what we heard, right? Instead of letting our yes be yes, letting our no be no, and becoming the people that God wants us to be. It is a process. And so what what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to help us to become more whole people. And a lot of times the way this happens is through discipline, through learning the habits of becoming the kind of person that God wants you to be. A great habit that you can take from this. Very simple. Because it's what what we've been talking about. (laughs) And it's just straight from the lips of Jesus. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Can we practice that a little bit? You know? To just say something and and maybe hold back from, yeah, but, but let me explain more. Yeah, but God told me to do it. Yeah, but, you know, there's a good explanation. Just just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And, And there's this principle here of learning the kingdom rightness. 
What is the kingdom rightness all about? It is about the fact that God reigns. He's in control. So that means that we do not need to doctor the results anymore. We do not need to influence the result because God's in control of that. That's what let your yes be yes, let your no be no is all about. You say the thing and you are not responsible for the results anymore. Right? Again, please do not take this as a license to just be cruel. Right? But this is especially in terms of the ways that we try to influence things. We try to affect things. We try to make things happen. And we are so addicted to control. It's part of the reason why I think, personally, why we don't preach on the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is all about the control belongs to the one true king. Not to you anymore. This is why Christians are so free. Why we are supposed to be free. We don't have to worry about those results. Um, have you ever been bowling? And um, once you let that bowling ball go, how much control do you have over that bowling ball? Zero. You have zero. Unless you're in a really crappy bowling alley and you jump and then, you know, the boards jump, you know. In most cases, you have no control. But I'll tell you, when I go bowling, this is what happens. I let go, and intellectually, I know I have no control. But that doesn't keep me from going, oh, 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 go to the left, to the left, to the left, no, you know, I'm trying to influence. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. I think it does. But how many of us, brothers and sisters, we cannot trust God with the results, we, we cannot trust God with what is going to happen in our lives, right? With our words, with our actions, with our jobs, right? We, we always are just so uh, uh, obsessed with control that we have to hold on. The kingdom is all about letting go. Now, I'm not saying quit your jobs. I'm not saying do nothing, you know? When you go bowling, yeah, go bowling. <laughs> you know, when you go to job, do your work. When you talk to someone, ask them, right? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Do those things. Definitely do those things. But the results, the outcomes are not up to you anymore, right? Because you're not king. You're not king. As it says in the scripture here, all of this is God's. Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. He is the king. Or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do you see that language again and again? King, throne, footstool. It's all God's. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. You can't influence that. You can't change that. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil, comes from that desire to influence, from that desire to assert control from God. Brothers and sisters, what we want more and more is to become people who are fully resting in the kingdom rightness and resting in a world where God is in control. He loves you. 
It's not going to lead you astray. And even if there are things that are unpleasant that happen in your life, God is still in control. God is still good. Do we believe that? Can we trust that with every fiber of our being? So let us learn, brothers and sisters, how to live in that kingdom heart, in that kingdom rightness. Yes be yes, no be no. Because by the way, friends, that's what God, that's how God deals with us. When God speaks to us, you can take his word, right? But also, that means that we must treat others in that same way. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. But can you also let other people's yeses be yeses? Can you let their no's be no? That This is a tiny little preview. We'll talk about this in a few weeks when we talk about judge judging. Do not judge, right? But this is part of the reason why a lot of human relationships are almost impossible because we don't take people at their word. You ever been in conflict with someone and they say something to you? No matter what they say, you're going to take it and you're going to twist it like because like, you can't take them at their word. If, if, if they come up to you, someone you don't like already, you got a history with them, and they're like, hey, Steve, it's good to see you today. What do you mean it's good to see you? What do they mean by that? That person's so fake. I know they didn't mean that. If they come up to me and they're like, hey, Steve, I don't like your face. They're like, that person's so mean, right? They can't win, right? They literally can't win because you are trying to read their mind. It makes relationships impossible, right? Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. But let their yes be yes. Let their no be no. Take their word for it. If you don't know their intentions, then brothers and sisters, just confess that. I, I, okay, there's a part of me that like, isn't really sure what they mean by that. But brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, people who are very self-deceived do not mean to self-deceive. They don't know that they're even doing it half the time. You know, we like to think that there's these Machiavellian people who are scheming and plotting, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go up to this person and say, nice dress, but I really mean ugly dress, Right? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that person's really trying. You know, but then they go up to you and then they see the look in your face and you're like, yeah, nice dress back, right back at you. And you're like, well, they obviously didn't mean that. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess I'm never going to try to be nice to them again. It makes human relationships impossible. It makes kingdom rightness impossible until we can be a people of integrity. And we're learning We're growing. None of this is to say that you are perfect at this, right? If you are someone who your yes isn't yes or your no isn't no yet, well, welcome to the club. We're all there. Look at Jesus' disciples. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're all a bunch of play actors. They were learning. And yet, segue, you are invited to the table. (laughs) You are invited to the table of communion. 